the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Big, big news today. But we'll talk first with John Schlafly in just a couple moments. And then also Robert Bork. Robert Bork the Younger. He's not a kid anymore. He himself is in his uh, probably 60s. But he is the son of Robert Bork, the famous judge who was Borked who was mistreated by the the Senate and was forced out of his nomination to be on the U.S. Supreme Court. Extraordinary guy. So we'll talk with Robert Bork. He's an antitrust expert, and he's an expert on the FTC and other things. So we'll hear what he has to say. But first, today's wink, what you need to know, you've got to go back and look at this debate, right? This is unbelievable what happened last night, the debate, and more importantly, the Tucker Carlson interview with Donald Trump. It changes everything. But first, let me remind you, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily wink, the daily email, what you need to know. Uh, you get that in your inbox, you get a few uh, comments, usually one pithy and salient comment, a few links and uh, some of the uh, key stories, and especially uh, what you need to know. That's the point. It's the wink, the daily wink. Today's wink also happens on the program. We talk about it right now. And I have to tell you, last night uh, was an ending of sorts for the media, for the media dominance. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I agree uh, that when you see that Donald Trump's interview with uh, with uh, Tucker Carlson it by, I think, about um, 9 o'clock in the morning on Thursday morning, it had received 200 million views. 200 million views. I mean, this was earth-shattering. Now, I need to explain something to you about this, though. There, There is an aspect of this that makes me nervous because I'm not sure that it, it can sustain in the world we're in. Um, and, and I'll explain to you why. I think there's some aspects of this, uh, that may be different, um, than we ever can replicate. Uh, but for now, let's go like this. The debate between the Republican candidates was a dud, was a uh, unexciting, unmeaningful thing. Everybody played their role. Uh, the role was mostly tired, even if they weren't old, but tired, older views of things. Uh, I think DeSantis got credit for being sort of a a um, uh, effective or a functioning guy. And then Vivek uh, Ramaswamy was the most dynamic guy. I mean, all kinds of ways, how he looked, how he sounded, what he said. Everybody attacked him. Everybody else was a dud. Uh, Chris Christie's actually just, he's really a jerk. Um, and uh, Ada uh, 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 Hutchison, um, all these different people, just dud city when it comes to running for president. The, the question becomes why, right? Why are these people why are these people actually in this race? I mean, that's the question. But here's what um, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know. The the interesting thing about what ha- so over at uh, Twitter, 
uh, Tucker Carlson uh, interviews Donald Trump and the interview is about 45 minutes long. That's all pretty short. And it starts at five minutes before the debate was starting. Right. That was uh, on purpose. So East Coast time, it was five minutes to nine that things started and it just swamped it. It swamped it. And Trump was compelling as can be. He was funny. He was interesting. He was um, uh, savvy and um, it was extraordinary. Here's the problem. Um, Tucker Carlson, if you listen to the interview that I did about four days ago with Tucker Carlson's biographer, Chadwick Moore, he was on the program and we did a long interview and he's a fascinating guy. But but what he told me was Tucker is under contract with Fox, so he's still being paid. And his contract, because he was powerful enough when he negotiated it, allows him to do a lot of other stuff like travel, speak to groups, do interviews. He just can't get paid. That's how it was said on the interview, meaning he's doing all this uh, Twitter stuff for nothing. He's not actually monetizing it. He's not um, getting paid to do it. I'm pretty, you know, in fact, now that I say it, though, yeah, no, because you don't have to subscribe to Tucker. Tucker is not a subscription service. You, In fact, I don't think you can subscribe. So he's not getting paid uh, to do his to do his interviews. And therefore, he's got sort of nothing to lose. And I hate to say it, nothing to gain. If you get my point, he's actually able he's actually able to go out there and and sort of take these risks and be out there. He doesn't need the money from it, and he's not going to get penalized from it. He's not going to get fired for it. He's not going to get canceled for it. He's not going to get paid for it, not extra. And so my point is it, he's got less to lose. Trump is such a dominant personality. I mean, he's the most dominant personality in the world now in terms of just his fame, but also how he handles things. He is the most I'm so He's got nothing also sort of left to lose in the sense that he doesn't need to go to the debate. He doesn't need Twitter. And and my point here is that, yes, it looks like Twitter, the Twitter interview with Tucker proved that you don't need a TV. I'm not sure it proved yet that you can do your show on Twitter only. I'm just not sure I see that. I feel like there's a good chance that the um, the people who are in this Tucker plus Trump are so unique that they change the dynamic of where things are. I, I I have to think that's right. I have to think that's right now. Excuse me. That, that may, doesn't make it any less impressive. Over 200 million people have viewed the, uh, the Tucker Carlson interview with Trump. And, uh, and here's again, what, what is amazing about Trump. I mean, and at a certain point you cannot say he's doing it because he's just lucky. He does that interview uh, on Wednesday night. It's so well watched all day on Thursday morning. I told you it was tracking a huge number of people watching it. And then he's going down to um, to Atlanta and he goes in and turns himself in. And the whole world is watching. The whole world is watching what Donald Trump is doing. That's at the very heart of what the guy is up to is the ability to get everybody to look at what he's doing. And you can't look away. You just cannot look away. It's it's extraordinary to see. It's amazing to see. It's uh, uh, one. I don't know if we'll ever see anything like it. And um, and I will say um, it's there's never been anybody as effective. I thought Tucker was a pretty good interview. He asked some questions that were sort of a little bit more uh, um, a little more insightful and all, but not not much. He mostly was uh, 
um, like Trump always does. Trump dominated and uh, and he dominated the debate. He, I mean, dominated the interview and got everything he wanted out uh, in that period of time. And man alive, did people see it now? Um, I want to encourage you. Uh, as an aside now, that was that's what you need to know. That's what you need to know is, yes, it's true that Tucker and Trump broke the Internet. Yes, it's true that Ch- Tucker and Trump broke Fox News. I, I agree with all that. I just don't know if there's any if anybody else can do it, too. And so we'll see. And, you know, the news out late in the day was that Tucker Carlson is being investigated by uh, uh, the Justice Department. I think they're actually suing him. Um, you know, it, it, I'm not sure, you know, as much as Trump is a target, uh, I'm not sure that guy, a guy like Musk is going to survive the target that he's going to get on him. But we'll see. Um, but let me slide over and let you know a couple things about programming notes. I, I did two um, lengthy interviews today. One was an hour long podcast uh, with Donna Vandenberg up in Michigan. She's got her own podcast. Very good. We had a great discussion. Uh, it's in the can. I think it's been released already. You can find her on Rumble and other places. She's got her own website. Um, she's really great. Um, she is a, uh, a super interviewer and it was a super conversation. And then I filled in for Tamara Scott. Tamara Scott, of course, is a, my friend from Iowa who is the committee woman for um, Iowa on the Republican National Committee. She does a one-hour show on Lindell, Mike Lindell, Mike Lindell's TV show uh, station, Lindell TV. I'm getting it right, Lindell, uh, and it was um, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We we talked pro-life stuff. She, she's off. Um, she was, I think, probably at the debate and then had other commitments. So we did. We covered the. Um, we covered some pro-life stuff. We covered some uh, Patriot Freedom Project and uh, January 6th stuff. And then we also uh, spent a good amount of time revisiting the topic from a few days ago where I really ranted and I did it again on the legal community. And I'm just going to put another hammer into this. I'm going to hammer it again. Um, on Wednesday, <clears throat> they had, I think, 10 people arrested in uh, Georgia. They had to turn themselves in. And they, of course, made them take uh, mug shots. And then they immediately leaked the mug shots out. It's just it's like standard lawfare. Um, it's terrible. It's ridiculous. It is what it is. But I think out of the 10, uh, nine of them were lawyers. And my point here, and I ranted on this on Tamara Scott's uh, show on Lindell TV, was it, it's insanity. This is insanity that we're allowing, uh, we're allowing the uh lawfare to go on and the insane the insane part uh, it's insane on all kinds of levels i mean it it truly is but the 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 level that's driving me the most to to distraction and it's so upsetting is the fact that we have uh entered a a, the, the gold standard the crown jewel of american life and in the world really is our justice system and it's being subverted by this horrendous stuff and the bar is not objecting the bar is not objecting. So if you want to hear me rant on that again, which I talked about a few days ago on the program, you can go to a, a Tamara Scott show on Lindell TV. And uh, I did that there. We um, It was great. It was a good program. I enjoyed it immensely. I love those listeners. So that's all we've got for uh, the wink. We'll be right back. We got with Jan, excuse me, back with John Schlafly in just a moment. Said Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. And our next guest is somebody I I think I might have had him booked once before and we got crossed up and I didn't get to talk to him. Robert H. Bork Jr. He wears a couple of different hats. One of the hats is uh, as the the protector and promoter of his father, the legacy of of, uh, Robert H. Bork, the famous uh, lawyer. uh, And that's the Bork Foundation. But all in addition, his own career, uh, our our guest has been um, the head of the Bork Communication Group and commentator. Although I will say this, I look I was looking at your record. You 
you, you're a, a, lead, a business leader. You comment on things and sort of policy stuff. But you were a writer very early in your career. You were a writer. The late Phyllis Schlafly used to say that was the key thing for her. When she became a good writer, she could do think clearer, communicate clearer, made a big difference. And you got some of your experience out in Missouri at the University of Missouri. I did. I spent uh, a summer without air conditioning at the <laughs> at the <laughs> University of Missouri. That's a common uh, experience. Yeah, that was awful, but uh, it was a good program. Yeah. Good. All right. So you also had up the antitrust education project, and uh, I'll put links to all this up on social media. The FTC. Walk us through what, why the American people, you know, it's like so many targets right now that are messy in this country by the Biden administration. We got wars in the world. We've got, uh, you know, inflation that's driving people crazy. Meanwhile, the FTC and the chairwoman over there in particular, they're making a mess of it. Why, how, how should people care? Why? And how do you see this going forward? Well, that's a huge question. Let yeah. me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me just say that, uh, People should care about the Federal Trade Commission and Lena Khan, who is the chair of it, uh, because she is the warrior for the progressive left, the radical left. In fact, one of her former Republican commissioners at the FTC said that she was an avowed Marxist. Hmm. Pretty much all you need to know right there. But let me go into more detail. For the last 40, almost 45 years, this country has has. operated under a a competition law regime or antitrust regime called the consumer welfare standard, which my father helped to uh, create in 1978. I mean, actually he spent 20 years writing and talking about it. So did other legal experts, conservative legal experts and economists. And basically it said antitrust law, competition law is a mess. It does. No one seems to know what it's supposed to do. It seems to it's, it's goals are unclear and, and rulings by the courts tend to conflict. They tend to put weak companies uh, in better, uh, weak companies ahead of efficient, well-run companies. And the loser in all that is the consumer. Hmm. He said, I think that antitrust law is really should be about and really is about uh, protecting the consumer welfare. If it's good for the consumer, then uh, a merger or a or some business policy, then leave it alone. If it's not, if it's bad for the consumer, then yeah, go in there and, and prosecute or investigate whatever you need to do. Well, the left has always hated that. Uh, and they've always enjoyed, liked antitrust because they, it, it's very powerful. It's a tool for controlling business, for controlling capitalism, for kneecapping capitalism. Uh, and, uh, and, but they were held at bay for a long time. And now with the Biden administration and the Democrat control of the Senate, they have been trying to undo the consumer welfare standard and in, in, insert in its place all sorts of regulatory controls, woke controls, uh, sort of pro, uh, what do you, you know, uh, labor controls, right. all kinds of things that w- essentially are making business sclerotic. You can't, right. if you're a CEO, you can't decide what you can do because the government's going to come after you. Right. So, uh, right now we're on the verge of the big one, as I like to call it. And that's, uh, the FTC has already brought three cases against Amazon. And now it's about to bring its fourth, its biggest one. It's, it's Lena Khan's white whale. So we're talking with Robert Bork, uh, our guest. Where is, um, Congress in trying to get back control? I mean, I know we have oversight uh, conversations now because of the Republicans in the House, but you know, uh, this is another it seems to me this is another example where 
we're we're in this position where a regulatory agency is so far beyond what you could have ever imagined um, in in history, and it's gone on for about fifty years or maybe seventy, sixty, whatever number of years that FTC has done it. But where's Congress though? Is there any visionary that's saying, "Hey, look, we're going to not just sort of clip on the edges of this; we're going to dramatically change these things." The system was working just fine, you know, for from about 1979 when the Supreme Court adopted the consumer welfare standard as as essentially its rationale for interpreting antitrust cases. Okay, and 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 the economy grew, uh, jobs were created, innovation happened. You know, the country really flourished economically with some dips here and there. So Congress didn't have much to do. And I mean, nobody talked about rewriting the laws. Uh, to make them more the way they were in the, you know, 50s and 60s, uh, for the 100 years previous, uh, to the consumer welfare standard. Nobody talked about that. Not the Democrats, not the, le- not the conservatives. But now when you have what a, a truly radical regime in, in Washington, the Biden administration, I mean, the, one of the first things he did was he held a, a press conference and announced a whole of government approach to competition and that, saying that every agency in government was going to figure out how to clip the wings of business so that they can't, you know, they can't grow. They, you know, he thinks it's to make them more competitive. She thinks it's to make them, or she's, that's what she says, but it's really layering on control after control, regulation after regulation, because government can't stand anything that operates freely and well. I mean, that's really what it is. Um, The government thinks it should control absolutely everything, at least the, you know, the, the, the Democrats do. And so in Congress, you had uh, in the Senate, partic- in particular, this last term, uh, last two years, you had uh, Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota and others, uh, uh, Democrats, trying to pass antitrust bills. And they, they duped a bunch of conservatives like Ted Cruz and others into supporting it briefly uh, by saying, hey, you know, you don't like um, you don't like, uh, the, the, you know, the, the censorship that's going on in some of these platforms uh-huh. uh this this will help which it it didn't it wouldn't and it never addressed those issues and ultimately the bills just ran, you know ran out of gas it didn't hurt it didn't help uh, uh the left that uh chuck schumer uh just would never bring any of this stuff to the floor uh and some people say it's because he has two kids who work for high big tech companies <laughs> right, right but uh you know take what you can get um but uh, so so our guest again is uh, Robert H. Bork, Jr. He's the president over the Bork Group and uh, and uh, publishes uh, peri- periodically, I think, a National Review article recently on uh, mm-hmm. questions Jim Jordan should ask. Um, is there a growing sense of the cost, at, le- at least to the FTC, of this uh, kind of activism? Is it you know, it feels like in the last six months there has been a, a shift in the willingness of the public and policymakers to accept the diversity, environment, inclusion, whatever the DEI, DIE, whatever they were all meant to, people are kind of like, hey, wait a second, you're making a mess of an otherwise functioning market, you know, a free market that has some guardrails. Is that happening with the FTC? Is there, is there a, 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 are people, are you winning the battle or is this, I, I, I feel like it might be like the border, in my opinion, which is, they're just doing what the hell they want. And most of the time, the opposition isn't organized or serious enough. There's no media coverage. And therefore, the public just keeps moving on. Well, the, the problem is, uh, is that uh, it's boring stuff. And it's just, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but 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 what's really going you on? You said it, I, not me. You said it, no, not me. No, I mean, look, I understand that people would rather talk about something else other than, you know, uh, antitrust. <laughs> uh, but um, 
the thing is, these leftists are undermining our economy. Right. I mean, you wonder why, you know, some of the stuff they're doing is inflationary. It, it, it's, uh, all of it actually, you know, and, uh, uh, when you control, you know, Europe has no companies that innovate. There is no Apple in Europe, right? Right. right. They love Europe. They think we should be Europe. Uh, and so they want to basically whittle away at, at the things that make American business great and that, mm. that will, that create jobs and create innovation and create wealth for your retirement plans and, and all that stuff. They, they don't like that. So, uh, I mean, it's as simple as that. And, and, and so when you, when you hear people talk, talking about boring things like antitrust, what they're really, <laughs> what they're really talking about is the future of this, uh, future of this country, its yeah. ability to prosper and, and, and uh, to create a better livelihood yeah. and for, for, for ourselves. It's, it's just, uh, and, and, and the leftists, the Marxists who are in charge over there right now for two more years. Actually, she, her term runs longer, yeah, but, well, uh, overlapping. Yeah. But at least, yeah, you, can, at least but, you can get control of the, uh, the rest of it, perhaps. Well, we have no, and we have no Republicans on the committee, on the, yeah. on the FTC right now. Yeah. Well, so there's a million ways to buy. I'm, unfortunately, I'm out of time. I got, I'm up against deadline. Uh, Robert Bork, we'll have you back again. I, as I mentioned, he was on my schedule in the past. Uh, very interesting as it's important. He uses his heft, his family, his father's name so well known, uh, to get into these important debates. It's, uh, effective. So we'll have him on again. Uh, I got to take a quick break. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here to Pro America Report. John Schlafly, who was away on assignment, they call it when the uh, big shots go on vacation in August. They call it uh, being on assignment. Uh, and you'll notice all the, the uh, uh, TV hosts and all disappear and they got the second or third team in. So John is back from assignment. He uh, he is back from his assignment uh, in August and uh, ready. All hands on deck. His column with his brother, Andy Schlafly, is over at uh, townhall.com and is archived at phyllisschlafly.com. This week's is entitled Republicans should unite unite against Georgia travesty. Before we get to the column, John, it was a tag team. Uh, six weeks ago, you were in Bedminster, New Jersey, met with Donald Trump at an event, handed him a copy of the PSR, Phyllis Schlafly report, and had an exchange. Uh, in the last couple of days, Andy Schlafly was in uh, New Jersey and also met with uh, President Trump both times. I think he might have been pleased to meet you two, but he went on a riff about Phyllis Schlafly, who was so uh, good to him. So it was nice to see that. It was, uh, John, can a human being survive the pressure that is being put on Donald Trump. I'm not joking at this point. This is insane what's happening. No, that that's that's a very serious question. And uh and of course it's not just Trump, but eighteen other people and this Atlanta thing. And then and that that's before you get to the thirty unindicted co conspirators, any of any one of which could be added. And uh there in the federal case has unindicted co conspirators too. And and I really f- foresee uh, of course, we're all protective of our president, Trump, but I, I wonder if some of the others may drop like flies uh, before Trump does. And um, so it's a great concern. The pressures are monumental. The cost pressures are unbelievable. And these people don't have the money to pay for their own defense. And it's just horrible, the lawfare that is being done. And uh you mentioned being on assignment, Ed. Actually, Ed, uh, Andy and I really finished this while I was on the road returning from an undisclosed location. I would be stopping every 20 or 30 minutes uh, at a McDonald's or someplace that had free Wi-Fi so I could 
<laughs> finish the polishing and editing on the column that we put out late in the day. So, well, well John, but John, but John, uh, John, I'm, I'm, I, I got a bone to pick with you guys. You, you, I thought you were ahead of the curve. You were writing about election interference and, and what they would do to Donald Trump with these indictments. That's fine. You were right about that. But you also were writing about how Texas needed to buck up and not roll over against Ken Paxton, the attorney general. And they're rolled over. They are rolled over and they impeached him. They're going to some sort of a kangaroo court trial. They're going to throw out Ken Paxton from office because somebody says he might be corrupt. And now in in Georgia, as you mentioned, Donald Trump is going to be arrested for, for what somebody says is corrupt. I, I got to tell you, John, you guys are good at predicting what's happening. But all these times you say, OK, buck up. Republicans unite, should unite against Georgia travesty. They all say something. Nobody's doing anything. Well, the, the, and they're not saying enough, though. Yes, uh, <laughs> A couple of them have had, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, sound bites about the weaponization of the government, which is true, uh, true, but it's not enough. And we've got to keep reminding ourselves that what is going on against Trump is uh, literally unprecedented. This has never happened in American history. And uh, so when we have an utterly uncharted territory in which the other side is trying to essentially refight the civil war and claim this is the new reconstruction. Now, you know, as as we learned in our history books, reconstruction uh, was a one-time regrettable episode that ended in 1877. But, you know, we're dealing with people who feel like it never ended and it's got to be used against Trump. Now, what the, what does that mean, Ed, reconstruction? What that means is martial law in which uh, uh, legal uh, uh, provisions that we all thought we depended on do not apply. Right. Because Suspended. Suspended. The, the law, because it's lawfare, because right. the law is engaged in war against people who are declared as enemies of the state. That is what was done in the southern states for 12 years after, the, after Lincoln sadly died at the end of the Civil War. And uh, it was a no-holds-barred assault on the civil rights of our fellow Americans in the southern states. And uh, now that came to an end in 1877. But the, you know, the the anti-Trump forces are trying to revive it. And they're trying, you know, Lawrence Tribe and ex-Judge Ludwig are saying that Trump is disqualified from even serving as president, even if he were to be elected. Well, you know, that's an outrage that people are going that way. And, well, John, uh, John that, that, that's what I want to ask you, John. I, at the end of the column, we're talking with John Schlafly. You referenced the 1964. Phyllis Schlafly wrote about the perennial battle between liberal insiders and grassroots conservatives in A Choice, Not an Echo. A very famous book um, has a mark in the pivot of, of American uh, political life. But, John... Right, right now. And, and, and after the fact, they made Goldwater, who was the candidate that year, sound like he was completely out of touch. He was not. He was a conservative. He, he was a choice, not an echo. Donald Trump is not that that far out of the mainstream of the political right conservatives. He's not on, on certain issues like uh, LGBT. He's not particularly conservative on certain issues, uh, even on marriage. I don't think he's particularly. And so he's not that far to the mainstream. And yet the unity of the opposition is it, what is most striking. All of the bar, very few lawyers who have had a, 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 a magnificent role in American history 
few of them are rising up in 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 opposition few of the republican party that should just be saying wait why are they taking out one of our guys even if i don't like him he's along are, are rising up uh, the the civil libertarians i mean nat hentoff is long dead but there's not even people rising up the newspapers this is uh, uh, it's so weird to me it's like out of a movie it's much bigger than what they did to goldwater and the, and what they did in the past isn't it or am i missing it Yes, that's true, and 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 they're throwing even their fellow attorneys to the dogs, as you pointed out. And uh, you know, today Rudy Giuliani, and uh, this morning I think uh, John Eastman, who was a very fine, excellent legal authority, you know, had to submit to a mugshot down there in Atlanta. It's just an outrage. And uh, it, 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 fact, John, John, Eastman John, John, where does terrific, it? End? Oh, no, no. Look, John Eastman, again, John Eastman is one of these guys. He's an egghead. He's like Jeff Clark. He's like one of these genius eggheads that people talk about, even if they don't agree with his politics. They never said he was uh, anything but a nice guy. And now he's vilified. He's 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 destroyed. But, John, as you point out in the column where John Schlaff is our guest, it's 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 ongoing. It's dramatic. My question is, where does it end? Well, it ends with the election of Donald J. Trump and his inauguration of the 47th president of the United States. There really is no alternative to that, Ed. There's no choice about it. You know, I realize the other Republican candidates are going through the motions of having a debate, and Fox News hopes to sell some ads, I guess, but it's just, uh, you know, there is no alternative to the re-election of Trump. And uh, because if Trump is not... uh, is not reelected and doesn't take office. It'll be as if he was never elected in the first place, and it will go into history uh, as um, as as the the story that's being told and retold. Now it will go into the history books, and we can't let that happen. We would break faith with all of the people who helped elect Trump in 2016, including Phyllis Schlafly, if we let that happen. And we can't John, John, just a couple minutes left. John Schlafly's our guest. His column with his brother Andy is over at uh, townhall.com. It runs initially and, and archived at phyllisschlafly.com. Uh, really worth checking out. Um, John, if there was one national Republican leader who could t- right now, based on hearing your interview, this conversation, rise up and play a bigger role, who, who would you sort of point to and say, y- you can make a difference in this context? It couldn't have to be elected official or something. Is there somebody who could could bring their stature and say, come on now and make a difference in people understanding that what's at stake? Well, stature, of course, the older people like Mitch McConnell are fading. Uh, yeah. Um, the younger people. They two senators like Josh Hawley and Tom Cotton are very, very, very talented young men, they're, but they're not quite ready for the national stage. They've got some more do, dues to pay, I would say, and Hawley has to get reelected, which won't be easy if there's a uh, an initiative on the ballot. Right. Exactly. That will draw voters against right, him, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. 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 All right, John, I got to go. We'll go have you again. John Schlafly, as always, uh, glad he's back from assignment uh, and um, rested and ready, tanned. And uh, we'll talk with him next week. Uh, We've got to take a break, though. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. President Joe Biden quickly made headlines for announcing... I sold a lot of state secrets 
in a meeting with Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Biden's handlers were quick to clarify that he was only joking, in spite of the fact that Biden has credibly been accused of that very crime. Yet if you watch the video, you'll see that Biden wasn't telling the joke. Biden was the joke. To the international community, America is not the bastion of strength that we once were. The free world needs a strong leader, and you can tell from the look on Prime Minister Modi's face that Biden isn't it. The United States of America should command total respect from the rest of the world. We outperform every other nation in just about every respect. Our gross domestic product is $23.3 trillion, which is about a quarter of the entire globe's GDP. Our next closest competitor is China, but even they only have a $17.7 trillion economy, even though their population is much higher than ours. Japan is next at $4.9 trillion, and it only goes down from there. If you choose to rank countries by military spending, our superiority is even more striking. Our military spending accounts for 39% of all military spending in the world, clocking in at $877 billion last year. Our next closest competitor is China, whose military spending is about one-third of ours. Sadly, America's overwhelming economic and military superiority has caused us to fall into complacency in our voting. Many people don't realize that the only reason we have been able to survive under such failed leadership is because past generations left such an incredible legacy for us. Yet as the left dismantles this legacy piece by piece, I can't help but worry that we won't remain on top forever. If America is to remain the leader of the free world, we must take our responsibility as citizens more seriously. Whether our grandchildren will live in a world where America excels is a choice we will make today. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As leader of the free world, America has a responsibility to stay strong in economics, industry, morality, and military capability. Never hesitating to say, America first. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll see why the best foreign policy begins with a strong America. Join the conversation at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I previewed earlier in the Pro-America Report my reasons, part of my reasons for you to come and be a part of Eagle Council in St. Louis on September 15th, 16th, and 17th this year, just a month or so from now. And I want to go through that a little bit more. Every year for the past 52 years, it's actually been a little bit more than that because there was at least one year where we could not have the event. Uh, Phyllis Schlafly hosted Eagle Council. And Eagle Council was a gathering of what she called her eagles, uh, what we call uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles today. It's a group of people. It, it's it's a little loosely defined. It's not um, only sort of membership, like uh, pay $20 and you're a Phyllis Schlafly Eagle. It's kind of being affiliated with Phyllis Schlafly's work, which is broadly described as pro-family, pro-life, uh, certainly pro-America, pro-America report, but also America first. She used that phrase quite a bit. Um, Phyllis Schlafly was someone who had a great vision for how America's specialness came about, um, founded 
in the Constitution and the rule of law and the founding values and things like uh, patent law, uh, property rights around inventions and things. She described uh, marvelously in some of her writings about how powerful that was. She had this great vision of the Constitution being extraordinarily powerful at knitting us together and having protections for our system, all these things. She was a great woman of faith. So she believed that our Judeo-Christian values at the founding and our Christian values uh, fundamentally informed how we lived. And it made a big difference. So our gatherings are not the cattle call gatherings. If you go to CPAC, you've probably seen the pictures. If you've attended, they sometimes have 4,000, 5,000 people. They'll have a room that'll have a, a 5,000, 2,500 people watching the big speeches. Um, they'll have dozens and dozens of, uh, of, of, um, uh, tables and, and booths and all. It's really like a trade show. And now Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's group, they do similar things. We're just huge crowds. They're, now they're not. I'm not describing them as not without value. I think they all have their own value. They fit a certain niche, um, depending on, you know, the, the Koch brothers used to have big events and they tended to be more sort of globalist and libertarian leaning and different kinds of things. You can go to some incredibly powerful, large gatherings of pro-lifers, uh, some of the pro-life conventions, the uh, March for Life in, um, in DC now has sort of conventions wrapping around it. They're very powerful. What Eagle Council is, is a kind of gathering of doers, of people who are already in the fray. They've decided to make a difference in the community they're in. Sometimes they're volunteers at the grassroots level. Sometimes they're elected officials. Sometimes their issue is pro-life or pro-family. Sometimes the issue is education or transparency. Um, it, it's, it's a different kind of gathering. We have had... 1,200 people for the presidential candidates in 2015. That was a huge, almost a, uh, our biggest event that I've been a part of. But other times we'll have 150 at a meal. But the, what's happening at the meal and what's happening in the rooms is of the quality of, in, in two ways. One, you got a lot of wise people. You got a lot of people, uh, you know, sometimes some these days we're missing some of our greats. Kitty Worthman, who passed away in the last year and a half, I guess it was. She was um, extraordinary. But so are people like Marilyn Shannon. She's the chairman of the board of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Tamara Scott, Noreen McCann, um, all these different folks, our own staff, so experienced. They The quality of the people and the experience level is off the charts. So what do you get? You get the networking opportunity that can amplify your uh, skill set and your um, uh, it can amplify what you're doing by giving you more um, strength and resolve and uh, and experience. So, for example, uh, Woody Woodrum out in California, one of our great leaders, he's been coming, he and his wife, Donna, for years. And when it comes to the fight in California for the platform committee, for example, which is going on right now, Woody's a guy I can call and say, hey, Woody, who, who's who? What's what? Where are the, the key players? You know, where's the traps here? And that kind of thing. So you get two things. You get quality people, which is valuable for wisdom. And then you get real good education. Education on the key issues. This year, we're going to have a, a speaker on immigration who you've heard on the program, Todd Bensman. He's on the front lines all the time. If you want to understand the issues and you want to amplify your positions, which I hope is to secure the border and, and get our country under control, you want Bensman in your camp. You want him in your hip pocket. This got so, we got so good at this that there was a moment where in the European parliament, one member 
of the European Parliament, Dominic Tarzinski from Poland, was speaking to a policymaker from Germany. And both guys, Dominic and this German, had been to our Eagle Council. We've had the Hungarians there, Hungarians there speaking about how they use the law to protect and promote the family, the tax code and otherwise. People that say, oh, law's got to be neutral to the family. Neutral to the family is, is not neutral. It's a policy decision. And so you've got to decide what you're going to protect and incentivize. Anyway, so all these networking opportunities, and here's why it's so important. In the next couple of years, on the issue of life, because Roe v. Wade is gone, and now we have a brave, new, wide-open landscape, on the issue of immigration and the future of our country based on what we've had in this invasion, on the future of education because of how we've seen what COVID did, we have sort of wide-open fields where a lot of leadership is needed and you've got to get wise and connected, wise and connected, not just connected, not just loud, not just encouraged, get wise and connected. Eagle Council, Eagle Council is where you want to come September 15th, 16th and 17th in St. Louis. You can come in. It's uh, right at the airport Marriott. It works. It's really easy to come in. It's really easy to be a part of it. If you go to Eagle Council, EagleCouncil.com. You can go there and find out all the details and sign up. EagleCouncil.com. You're going to want to be a part of it. we got some big announcements of speakers that are coming in the next couple of days. So there you have it. As always, thank you to Noah Dingley, Ryan Height, Mason Mohan, and we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.